You know what's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. But you know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com slash style. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustplot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash style. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-T-Y-L-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash style. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football of course, the Trojans falling to the UCLA Bruins 34-27 uh, Saturday afternoon at the Rose Bowl. We're going to talk about that with Coach Harvey Hyde and a special guest we'll mention we have in studio. If you have any questions or comments, you can drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call us or text us, and you guys did that a lot, 424-254-9141 is the number. We got a lot of questions to get to, a lot of stuff to talk about, but we have a Special guest in studio right now. Uh, he's not he's not related to Coach Hyde, but his name is Eric Hyde. He's won a contest that we had like a year ago where we went, hey, we wanted a guest uh, host to come in, a fan to come in, and we just happened to be this week. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Ryan. I really, really am excited about being here and getting a chance to talk to my old buddy, Coach Hyde, again. So uh, really fired up and ready to go. He's Sir Eric of Troy on the Peristyle, if you uh, or on tw- Twitter too, right? You do the yes, Sir Eric of yes, Troy. Yes, on both Peristyle and Twitter. Nice and coach, and you, coach, you know Eric. You guys have a, some history there. Well, we we go back a ways. I remember when Eric was at uh, when I was the head coach at Pasadena City College. He was the lancer, the drum major there, and uh, they used to come by and march their band down to the, you know, before the game and do the pregame and all that stuff. And he used to bring the drums to the locker room and. You know, Eric looked the part. I mean, he had some guns on him, and he had some calves on him, and uh, he had this big shield with him, and very similar to what uh, the Trojans have. And uh, then he became the drum major over at USC, and I used to see him there. And, and uh, man, uh, he looked bigger, and he looked like part. He looked like, uh, you know, if I went out there, I wouldn't want to tangle with him. And uh, that's the type of, uh, I think, uh, image you have to have. It starts with... You know, not only great players and leadership up above, but it starts with uh, your image of who your mascot is and how physical he looks and so on. I want a guy, you know, that, that looks the part. And Eric, you've always looked the part. You've been great at what you do. And I really am happy to hear you 
uh, here and be in the studio. Thanks, Coach. Thank you very much. Uh, he's he's kind of let himself go, Coach. Just to be fair, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he still looks great. He's in here still. So I don't want to. I'm in the same room with him. He's going to kick my ass or something. So, but okay. So this is going to make the show a little bit interesting because we got all this stuff uh, going. We want we to get like we wanted a, a fan. You know, a big USC fan. Eric is one of those to get their you know thoughts on some of the questions that come in and what's going on with the team, um, but. Before we, I mean, we got so many questions. We're probably not going to get to all of them, but we'll we'll do our best uh, to get to as many as we can. But coach, maybe you want to start with a. Uh, you want to, you have an opening rant. I know you've been approached by a lot of people. They want to hear your your thoughts. You want to go on an opening rant. We'll let Eric uh, give some yeah. thoughts too. Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, I went to the game. It was a beautiful setting. I couldn't have a better setting for a rose, you know, rose bowl, a bowl game. Really, it was a bowl game for. UCLA, as far as uh, you know, they knew where they going where they were going to be during the Christmas holidays. They were going to be at home, so they wanted to end up by beating the cross time town rival in USC, and they did it. And it was just a beautiful turf. Uh, it was just a wild game. If you were uh, just wanting to watch a football game and you didn't really cheer for one team or the other, you know, it was a great game to watch. But if you're a great fan, then, of course, it wasn't a great game to watch. And uh, to see, again, uh, the same movie, I've gone to the same movie for the last six or seven weekends, to see a team that can play pretty good in the first half, not run the ball very well in the first half, but then fail in the second half by not scoring many points, three points, is getting to be the same movie with the same ending. And uh, I think that uh, I observed where I was uh, very, well, a lot of people just getting up and leaving early in the game through through their frustration of seeing the same movie again, too. So uh, I don't want to get into answering all the things because I know we have a lot of questions and I don't want to answer a question before it's asked. So basically, you know, it was a great setting and a great uh, bowl uh, and uh, – UCLA now owns the uh, rights as far as bragging rights uh, rights in Southern California, and they did it their first year with Chip Kelly. And uh, it's very disappointing uh, as far as for the Trojans when they were picked to win the Pac-12 South, and uh, they're not even maybe going to go bowling. Who knows? They still got one more game. Eric, what are your uh, what are your initial thoughts from this then? Well, my thought is my feelings are hurt. My feelings are very very hurt. I was there in the Rose Bowl. And I'd never seen that place that empty before to begin with. I mean, it just was absolutely empty. And I remember the rivalry game was the rivalry game. It really didn't matter what the, the team's records were prior to that game. It was always big because it was cousin against cousin, brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor. Kids had grown up together playing Pop Warner with and against each other. So it was a matter of pride. And it just bothered me that that the time has changed, the pride wasn't there leading up to rivalry week. I didn't see a lot of flags flying and things like that from either team, really. And uh, and the fact is, I mean, that just bothers an old school guy like me who remembers this. And, uh, you know, and I have my feelings about the Trojan team right now and how we how we look and what we're doing and what we're not doing and what I personally would love, absolutely love to see happen to this Trojan team. But, you know, I don't get to make that decision. And all I can do is say how I feel and say it over and over and over. And 
believe me, if anybody asks me, if I get the chance to tell you how I feel about that, I'm definitely going to do it. <laughs> I will not hold back. I've never been afraid to speak my mind, and I certainly wouldn't be now. Well, that's why we got you here, because you do speak your mind. You have some good emails, and you, you'll leave voicemails, and you'll you'll yell at me if I don't play one of them or something. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so Eric gets on me. But it's good. It's, it's awesome that we, we have you here, and we'll kind of get your thoughts on some of these questions that I've got coming up. Um, we got so many. I guess we'll just jump in, Coach. Uh, let me play this first one for you and, and get both your thoughts. Hey, guys. It's Franco from the East Coast. Ryan, Coach Hyde, my condolences. The uh, official death certificate won't be issued till after the Notre Dame game, but this season pretty much died on Saturday in Pasadena. Uh, I, I think about this season, and the only way that Lynn Swan brings back Clay Helton is if he's been in his office watching the movie Major League one too many times. I think he's trying to channel the role of uh, Rachel Phelps. That was a showgirl that was uh, driving season ticket sales into the ground for ulterior motives. You know, sometimes we become prisoner of the moment. But when you really look at the big picture here, it's really bad. You know, it's really bad. I think it was 1960 I saw. You guys tweeted out the last time we lost to an eight-loss team. 1950 was the last time the attendance for USC, UCLA was this bad. How about this one? When's the last time that we uh, opened as a double-digit underdog at home? Because that's probably what's going to happen on Saturday against Notre Dame. Uh, maybe the inspector that's overseeing the uh, renovations to the Coliseum won't issue a certificate of occupancy for Saturday's game since it's probably too dangerous for fans to watch a, such a poorly coached football team. Anyway, have a happy Thanksgiving, guys. Love and safe travels to you and your families. Take care. I think he needs therapy. Franco, I'm sorry. He's, he's, he's well, <laughs> go ahead, Brian. No, no, go ahead, Coach. What were your thoughts on that? No, I'm, I'm just saying I know how he feels. Uh, going into the holidays, he's, uh, he's a true Trojan. He's depressed. He hasn't seen improvement on the team, and we've been talking about the same topics over and over and over. And uh, When you get out-coached, out-hit, uh, the whole thing, uh, uh, the same things we talk about, stretching the field, uh, running a certain type of offense, uh, a running back rushing for almost 300 yards, all the different things. You say, how did this, how did these things happen? I mean, uh, you know, they're a three point favorite in the game to a team that's two and eight, uh, two and eight. And you say, you know, if anything, we ought to be able to win this football game. Uh, the Rose Bowl used to be our second home. Uh, John McKay used to say, uh, when we play in the Coliseum, we turn right, we turn left. When we go to the Rose Bowl, and that's why they have so many uh, Hall of Famers in the Rose Bowl, uh, because of the number of games they played in the Rose Bowl. But the tackling, the coverage, the breakdowns in plays—you uh, uh, know—it just—it—it just doesn't get any better. The rotation of running backs during a game, instead of giving a guy a, a, an opportunity to get a feel in the game, hey. Kelly carries the ball 40 times, and he wished he, what did, uh, what did Chip Kelly say? He wished he could have carried it 90? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, that's the way you have to feel. You have to be able to feel. And, you know, the running game is, is something that makes your entire offense go. That's why UCLA was able to run the football, because they were able to throw the football enough to keep USC's defense honest. And that's why they were able to run the ball. and They flip-flopped. They confused the defense from USC with the way they un- ran their unbalanced lines and flipped the def- flipped their offensive uh, tight end. There were three tight ends, basically, they ran in the game. 
and really confused them completely and ran the football and beat them at their own game. And uh, Chip Kelly believes in the run, but, you know, USC talks about the run. That's the two difference between the programs. They talk about the run, but they, I don't really believe they want to run the football yeah, because I don't think they run the uh, proper uh, plays and offense for the personnel that they're currently playing. So uh, we've talked about that, so let's move on. And my condolences to all everybody out there that's a Trojan fan because you look at, I don't know how many years it's been uh, since the Trojans have not gone to a bowl game. And as this past caller said, hey, Notre Dame is coming to L.A. and they're not taking any prisoners, okay? <laughs> they're not taking any prisoners. They're going to try to beat the Trojans as bad as they can beat the Trojans. So, uh, and uh, they have the team that can do that. They do. They're very physical. They have a running game. They have a passing game. They play great defense. They're sound. So, uh, take the band-aids to the game. <laughs> well, that's I mean, I think UCLA was definitely the tougher team. Like they ran the ball. That's the most yards. Anyone, you know, a, a transfer from UC Davis ran for the most yards of anyone ever did against USC in this rivalry. And USC could have run the ball and UCLA has got one of the worst run defenses in the country and USC couldn't do it. So, I mean, that, to me, that's a difference. You couldn't stop the run and you couldn't run the football. They, they, UCLA was the tougher team. That's basically, I agree with you 100%. I mean, when you can't convert a fourth and one and you have to come to the line of scrimmage and shift out as they shifted out in that one formation and do a quarterback sneak, I mean, please, you're taking away all your push. Normally, you'd have your backs behind him or in a tighter jumbo type of formation where everybody pinches to the inside and your backs come and push the quarterback forward to get some push. And I don't know what they were trying to trick or what they were trying to do on that. They didn't make it. And then fortunately, they ran the fake uh, punt and got a first down and then scored on uh, Brown's touchdown pass. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, you can't trick people in football. you got to beat people in football. If you're going to continually try to trick them, that isn't going to happen. There were things they were given the entire day as far as what you could do, and they never took advantage of it. So... We'll get to that later. Uh, we got one from Dennis in Lancaster. He said, uh, question for Coach Hyde. Once again, Hilton's stubborn loyalty to seniors allowed him to make another bad coaching decision. After John Houston got hurt, uh, why were you putting in um, Ruben Peters uh, if the obvious choice would be Palier, not Ote Ote? Why would you do that? Love the show and fight on. Well, I don't know. That's probably a question, good question to ask him at post game. But uh, obviously, it'd be something like he's got more experience or something. And you know, I have never agreed to uh, a lot of the players that they play. Okay, uh, some of them aren't there anymore. Some of them have transferred. Some of them have gotten in trouble and whatever. But you know, you you got to have your best players on the field. And he's very loyal to his coaches. He's very loyal to his players. And I and I, and he says nice things even when he loses, and uh, you know sometimes you you know and it's too late to get tough. Uh, it's too late to chew out a guy when he comes off the field for slugging somebody because they've got away with it all year. Yeah. So he's not even going to listen to you. Okay. He he knows it's fake fire. He doesn't. He he knows it's. You know what are you going to do about it? They didn't, they didn't even throw him out of the game. I'd have thrown him out of the game if I was the ref to Wade Pally 
play uh, hit that guy. Oh, that's, uh, that's Brandon Peely, yeah. Yeah, Brandon yeah that's stupid. That's stupid. I mean, we talked about this last week as far as those type of things. So, uh, you know, those things continually go on, and when those things continually go on, you're not going to be successful when you break down in all areas of the game. And, and a lot of it is, now don't get me wrong when I say just the kids are playing hard, I think. But are they put in a position where they can be successful? That's the number one thing. So, you know, Coach, here's my feeling on this. First of all, when, when Peely punched that guy, it's because he was not afraid of any type of repercussions whatsoever. Not at all. I mean, when when uh, when you're a kid and your parents tell you, look, you get in trouble one more time, you know, and and uh, and that's it. That's the end. You know, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to handle it here. And you feared what they told you because you knew that they meant business. So if you're going to do that, and, and I mean, just blatantly the way he did, if the referee didn't throw you out the game, I would have had coach would have pulled you out of the game. You would have had a seat, you know, there uh, for the rest of the game or, or I wouldn't even let you sit down. You'd have to come stand next to me for the for the rest of the entire game you know to show you that i mean business but when your players see that you're not gonna do anything about this when your players see that it's all talk you know real quickly i want to say we were you know when we were kids and we played ball in the street there was always one yard on the street that had a bad dog and you couldn't throw the ball in that yard because that dog would bite you okay he would and you knew not to throw the ball in that yard now there were other yards where they had dogs but the dogs all they did was bark and we'd go straight in get the ball come right back out but that particular yard we knew that if the ball went over there it's okay get your money out take up a collection we got to buy a new ball okay because <laughs> nobody was going over there to get it okay that's what happens when you're not just all talk when you're not just all bark you know and and the truth of the matter is i just wasn't surprised because einstein said a long time ago the mistakes of the past will never be corrected by the same manner of thinking that created them and that's all i see every week week after week is the same manner of thinking so why are we surprised that the mistakes are not being corrected they're, they're just not, you know, and uh, a friend of mine who is a UCLA fan said, I saw that on television. And when I saw that, I couldn't understand why he was not out of the game, why he was not out of the game, why he was not out of the game. Well, guess what? He was out of the game. The whole team was out of the game when that happened. So it, it's that's how I feel about that particular part of it. Eric, that's too smart stuff. That's uh, you can't bring that to the show, man. You're going to make us look bad. So. Oh, sorry. Sorry. OK, I'll, 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 I'll back it off. <laughs> All right, here's our next question for you, Coach. This is Old Man Block from Pomona again. Um, I have a question for anyone who wants to answer this. For the last six weeks, I feel like our only offensive schemes in terms of passing and passing routes and passing tree have been fade, fade, go deep, go deep, go deep, go deep. And that paid for us today because now you got JT Daniels throwing passes to no one. Well, he threw it to someone, to UCLA players. And then on our last drive, we finally started to go use the middle of the field. Why haven't we been using the middle of the field for the last six weeks? <sighs> Such a frustrating loss, but it is what it is. Thank you, fellas, for all that you do. Bye, on. Well, you know, we've talked about the middle of the field. We've talked about uh, that uh, team's defense, USC, perfectly because they don't go to the middle of the field. They did throw the ball to the middle of the field once 
to Michael Pittman early in the game, and I said, oh, my goodness. And they did. They hit him there, and they came back and hit, hit uh, Brown once in the middle of the field and ran a drag route across to Pittman uh, that he went across the field. They're playing zero coverage, which means all man most of the day, which you've got to run a lot of crisscrossing routes. And also you've got to match your backs up or tight ends up with a linebacker. And uh, early in the game, they threw Ware uh, down the uh, middle of the field, which he didn't really go down the middle of the field. He went out a little bit too wide. And uh, they missed him on that. It was in the first on the first series, and they came back once before and tried it, and it didn't work. But the middle of the field is so wide open. When you put a linebacker on a back, and you just got to be able to teach him how to get in the open. And then really, basically, he didn't know how to get open. I mean, don't get me wrong, but if he plays you inside, you fake to the inside, you get him to go inside, and you go outside. If he's playing you outside, you give him a fake and you go inside. If he's playing your head up, you drive right, drive him off the ball and break one way or the other, and the quarterback reads it. And one thing I notice, and I've noticed this all the time, that JT locks on to somebody and doesn't really look at anybody else. And, and I hate to say this. Yes, he has thrown some passes to other people, but it looks, it, to me it seems as though he knows who he's going to throw the ball to. Right now when that last play of the game, when he threw the ball to Brown, Brown was covered, but he was going to throw the Brown on that out route. He's, that's what all there was. He was going to throw it to him. And when they run a play that's third and 21 or whatever it was, and they ran the ball, you know why they ran the ball? People keep wondering why they ran the ball, because they didn't know what to call. That's why they ran that play. Didn't know what to call. Didn't know what to do at that time. So they just sent a play in or they were going to get a delay a game or use a timeout or whatever. So those are the times of things that bother me. The tight end follow was open right down the middle. Uh, there's curl routes. Uh, you don't see that. Uh, you just don't see the things that you should be doing to attack the coverages that you're playing against. And uh, they didn't fear the running game at all. They just took it away, and USC really gave up on it when they get 112 yards or something rushing totally for the game, that's embarrassing. That's absolutely embarrassing when you say we're going to be a running football team. They aren't a running football team, but they've never believed in being a running football team. Started last spring, and uh, it continued to spring practice. Uh, the spring game was a circus. Uh, they don't believe in being physical. They haven't wanted to be physical and they're past team first. And the first, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the first three to five plays, I don't know how many running plays they had in the first quarter or two quarters. I'm not sure, but there weren't many. Yeah, it didn't. definitely not a dedication to the run, and then things just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Um, we got a text question from George and Oxenard coach. Hey, coach, uh, it's about halftime adjustments. It's astonishing to me how much we have been outplayed in second halves of games this season. What are the, uh, what are other coaching staffs doing or saying that we are not T Martin said earlier that they did not uh, look at halftime stats. Is that a huge mistake for us fans that have never played football? Who does what in the locker room at halftime, whatever we do apparently doesn't work, especially for JT Daniels. Thanks coach and fight on George and Oxenard. And yeah, of course USC only got three points in the second half of this game. So kind of get your thoughts on that, Coach. 
Well, absolutely. Halftime, you've got to know what's going on. You have the, ba- the guys in the box come down. They meet before you meet. You normally have to do an interview at halftime. Then you go in and you meet with your coaches, and you get all the stats, and you know exactly what they're, what they're trying to do to you. You want to see what they're trying to do to you. You have a scouting card you look at as far as hash marks, formation tendencies that, that they have, you have, and see what they're calling, how they're defensing you in certain sets and motions and so on. And you go in and try to counter that. And you have to make adjustments at halftime. And if you don't make those adjustments, uh, they're going to continue doing what they're doing. But a lot of times, USC beats itself by putting two guys in the same gap. I mean, over and over, they get out of their rush lanes. I mean, uh, two touchdowns were contributed to that. One, I can't remember who had him for a sack, but he didn't break down. And remember, he's the guy that's in trouble, not you. When you have him back there running around, I mean, you got to settle up and get him and, and tackle him. And then the second or one of the touchdowns going towards the north end when uh, the quarterback's right uh, just uh, ran up the middle or run at to the, ran to the left and, and ran in for a touchdown because the rush guys aren't in their lanes. They're not containing. So a lot of these things, they're just not sound, just not sound. They were getting outflanked. And when they were flipping uh, their tight ends back and forth and, and so they weren't making the right adjustments, and and it was all man blocking. Where two guys went to the same gap, and Kelly went all the way for a touchdown. That's why. And on a couple other plays that he made a big game on, they had no no support uh, secondary support on. Uh, I forget who ran him down. Somebody came back and ran him down where before he uh, scored a touchdown. I think it was Langley ran him down. But you got to be sound. Got to be sound. You can't make mistakes and. They're not sound defensively, and you've heard me talk about this all along as far as the mistakes they do. Yes, they, they did uh, against, like, Cal, keep him the, down to, what, 200 and some yards, but, hell, who's, who's Cal? Can he move the football? Uh, they scored 15 points, and you guys lost. You couldn't even score a touchdown in the second half. So, you know, these are the things you got you, you wonder about. How in the hell, and supposedly these are supposed to be all these great football players, if they're great football players and somebody's not putting them in the right spot, otherwise you didn't recruit great football players if you're a great coach. You're right. Okay. Uh, so let's – oh, you got a thought, yeah, Eric? Okay. Yeah. You know, just real quickly, I think I go back to the days of um, uh, Pete Carroll. And I remember what we used to say was, if you're going to get it against us, you better get it in the first half. Because I remember how good his staff was at making halftime adjustments. And we'd come out in at the second half, and we would be just as strong or even stronger than we were in the first half because of the adjustments, and we put the clamp on you. I mean, now it's it's so sad that, you know, we have people sitting around me in the Coliseum, and I've been in my seats for 26 consecutive years there, and uh, we've known each other for a long time, and we've seen each other's children grow up, literally. And we're all saying to each other that, you know, we might as well leave right at halftime because we're not going to score anymore in the second half. You know, if we don't have it by by halftime, we're just not going to get it, and and that's uh, that's very very sad. It's the other thing that uh, that I think about when uh, when I think about this caller's question is, people used to fear USC. They used to put the fear of God in in uh, other teams that didn't want to play us because they knew USC was going to hit you in the mouth. They were going to hit you square in the mouth. 
And you had to see if you could could handle that punch. And so many times they, you know, you couldn't and you'd quit and you'd fold. And the reason why teams bring their best game now is because they don't fear us anymore. They don't. They think that, hey, we can run on these guys. They're not tough like they used to be. We can pass on these guys. You know, they're just guys wearing Cardinal and gold uniforms. They're not you know, the the team that was coached the way they used to be coached, that, that was tough the way they used to be, you know, toughened up and everything, where you knew you were going to go into a heavyweight fight and you knew you were going to take some heavyweight punches. That's just not who we are anymore. And that uh, and that just hurts. That's very, very sad. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, Pete Carroll, too. We got a question from Ray in Florida. Again, we kill drives with stupid penalties. We give UCLA life on the winning drive for them. Again, a weak, anemic offense in the second half. Can we remember Pete Carroll's second half adjustments? They were brilliant. Clays are non-existent. A man amongst boys. I'm hearing he's not going to be fired and will be here next year. Can we do this again next year? We're the only ones fighting on. Uh, Ray in Florida. And maybe to, maybe the point coach would talk about the uh, the, the penalties that kind of kill USC's drives and, and how they extended a UCLA drive. Well, you know, when you're playing a team that's equal to you and you're balanced, uh, you know, stupid mistakes cost you a football game. You know, turnovers cost you a football game. Penalties cost you a football game. Anything you do uh, that's uh, not uh, right is, is going to cost drop passes, fumble. You know, you can go through the whole thing. Missed tackles, all those things. It's a game of inches. It's a game of uh, yards after the, the catch or the run. And you've got to be able to have that, as Eric just mentioned. And during that year, the years of Pete Carroll, look at his staff, Norm Chow. Now, Norm Chow was the offensive coordinator. How many Heisman trophies or quarterbacks that he had coached uh, as far as at BYU and the other schools, North Carolina State and so on? Norm's a good friend of mine. No one's ever asked Norm one damn thing that maybe you could come and, and work part-time for us or consult us or sit in on uh, game plans or uh, you can do that. You know, you can have these type of coaches around and Norm's not coaching and he lives in Torrance. I mean, you have these type of talented people that would love to come and assist. And, and he, you know, you had Ed Ardron, you had Tom, Tom Davis, you had Dwayne Walker, you had Kirby Wilson, you had, yeah, you know, these guys are all in the pros. They're all great coaches. And, uh, you know, they didn't learn on the job. They'd done a lot before they came to Southern California. Pete Carroll hadn't coached in college, but he put himself with some great people that taught him how to recruit. And when he went in the home, uh, mothers wanted to meet him. He had a smile. He was good-looking. He could talk. Players liked him. He had a good personality. All the things that uh, represented the university, and he had great, great people surrounding him. Now, Clay Elton's a nice guy, but he has, he doesn't have the support group. He's got too many. As, how many times have I said this, Ryan? He's got first-timers, guys that have never flown Air Force One. I mean, I've never heard of some of the coaches that he has. And, 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 and not that they, they aren't good coaches, but do they have the ability to be coaching at USC? Have they proven themselves? Uh, T. Martin? Great guy. Has he ever been an offensive coordinator before? No. How do we know what he was going to do? What does he know? What did he run? The same thing he knew and that they ran before. Was that good enough? 
So, you know, these are the things you have to look at. Defensive line coach, never coached before. Uh, you know, all these different type of things is what contributes to not having the best. And, and you know, I'm waiting to see, too, just what type of commitment USC wants to make to football. And I'm sort of doubting, and I don't know. I'm waiting to see exactly what the outcome of all this is. If they want to talk about being a big-time program or be a big-time program. Because if you want to be a big-time program, you got to have big-time people. I mean, you have what makes a movie? Big-time stars. Big-time uh, uh, people who know what they're doing. And you've got to pay for what you get. You only get for what you pay for, okay? You go to a big-time movie, you're going to pay for it. You go to a big-time concert, you're going to pay for it. Well, you know, you got to have big-time talented coaches that take big-time talented players, and players want to come and play for those great coaches. And I want to see if they make that type of commitment. So I want to see if it starts at the top. Because you can't win at anything unless they believe and want to have that type of program. And I want to hear that commitment. I just don't want to hear, you know. Uh, and first, I, you know, I don't like to talk about And they, the last week or two is, is he going to be back? Is he going to be back? He's given me my, uh, he says I'm doing well. Coach can help. I mean, hell, what you talk about with Lynn Swan is nobody's business, Okay. Because once they start endorsing you is when they're going to get rid of you, okay? So Lynn Swan isn't going to make the decision on whether Clay Helton goes. That's coming above him, okay? Above him. He can't go and tell Clay he's done. Somebody's got to tell him what they want done, and he'll be a part of that. So that's And I'm not endorsing or saying they should get rid of Clay Helton. I'm just telling you what I observe in watching the program. You know, Coach, I want to say this. I remember when they first hired Clay Helton, and I thought to myself, he's had zero experience being a head coach before, zero experience. But I thought about it, and I said, well, you know what? If they offered me the head coaching job, I'd take it too. But I guarantee you I would have surrounded myself with the best and most experienced assistant coaches that money could buy or that I possibly could find, the guys that would make me look good. You know, but if you get – a, a group of neophytes that's going to be your staff, you know, and, and they've never been offensive coordinator before anywhere, even in high school. They've never been D-line coach before. You know, they've never been a quarterback coach before. I mean, these are all these things all piled up together on one staff. Not that you get one new guy to come in here. He's never done it before, but got a lot of other guys who can help him and, and teach him because we're strong in so many other areas. But you get all of these coaches stacked up that have never, ever done it before. It made me say that University of Southern California, the USC now stood for University of Startup Coaches. <laughs> I didn't understand where all these people are coming from. Is it that you don't want anybody who knows more about the program than you do? Is it that you don't want anybody who could tell you, hey, coach, when I was at Alabama, we did it this way. Hey, coach, when I was at, you know, um, Clemson or Ohio State, this is how we did it. Do you not want that? Do you not want to hear that? You know, are, are you a person that just, you know, wants to do it your way? And, you know, whether you get the results you got, you need or not, this is how you're going to do it. There's not a single coach that I know of, and you guys know more about this than me, but in my opinion, in my estimation, there's not a single coach we have on this staff that anybody else would want. 
that anybody would come in and offer a greater salary to to please come do what you've been doing for USC here for me at my school. You know, uh, Delan McCullough was the only coach that that we've had on the Clay Health and staff that anybody would want. And I remember when, when again, back to when Pete Carroll was was head coach, our staff was so good. It seems like we lost guys every year to either to the NFL or to become, you know, head coach somewhere else and all because they had proven that they knew what they were doing at a winning program. We don't have anybody from a winning program anywhere. And so if you do bring Clay Helton back and you say, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make him clean house and make him get a whole new staff. Is that to say he's going to go out and hire experienced staff members, experienced assistant coaches, or are we just going to play this, this same song again with other guys that nobody's ever heard of? So, uh, so the question is whether he goes or whether he comes back, uh, you know, we, we need changes at USC, big major changes. And one more thing I want to say, I, I don't want to take too much time with, with this particular question, but I think USC has lost sight or maybe they don't realize or they don't give enough credit to the number uh, of students and fans who were there because of the football team. I mean, me personally, when I was a child, um, I was in love with USC. Not UCLA. I was in love with USC because of the band, the horse, and OJ. I, I knew nothing about the, the academic standards. I didn't care about that when you're in the you're in the fourth grade, fifth grade, or whatever. It was the football team and the marching band that made me say, "Hey, I want to go there." So, how many students came there because of that? You know, are you not placing enough um, importance on the product that you're putting on the field that made so many people USC fans to begin with? Or uh, or it, are you saying that what I'm giving you now is good enough? You should like us and want us anyway. So that's the question the administration, I think, needs to think about. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next question, Coach. Here you go. It's a voicemail. Yeah, this question is Coach for Coach Hyde. This is Ray in Pasadena. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of curious about this defensive stuff. Uh, we've watched the offense go up and down, up and down throughout the season. And I feel the same thing is occurring with this defense. And I'm just kind of cons- I'm not concerned. I'm just kind of wondering. I understand that players obviously make the difference, you know, A's versus B's and that kind of stuff. But um, we seem to have done fairly well against Washington State. And I'm watching tonight, and here they are. Washington has just put 55 points up against an Arizona team. Uh, what gives? I mean, why is it that we do well one day and the next day we can't seem to, you know, do anything correctly? Um, is this a scheme problem? Is this too much for the kids to understand? Uh, you know, understand that, uh, yeah, they've got injuries, but so does everybody else. So it all kind of, as far as I'm concerned, he's out in the wash. I'm just kind of concerned or just curious about what it takes to stop an RPO team. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, they do well against Washington. And I'm watching Washington State, excuse me, Washington State. I'm watching Washington State tonight put 55 points up, probably going to do more. It's still in the third quarter. So I'd like a comment on that if you would. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, uh, we've mentioned this before, and I don't know if it's on this podcast or other shows I've done. Uh, Mike Leach takes what he gets as far as his personnel, and he recruits through his offense. 
he understands and he knows he's not going to get the, the four and five star players, but he's going to pick players that fit what he does well. And that means he's going to do something that you're not used to seeing and he's going to do it better than what you can do to defense it. But you don't have time to get ready for it. And he's really good at what he does. And the kids really buy into it and have a lot of fun playing that. They do a lot of seven-on-seven seven all the time, and their timing is absolutely fantastic in their uh, passing routes, and, their, and uh, they do it. And they, they, they fit these guys into the schemes and the rhythm of what they're doing out there. The, the quarterback has time to. They work on pass blocking all the time, so really he has time to, to look around, and they stretch the field, and they always have a dump-off back. They score so many touchdowns, too, and he wants to throw the ball down the field. You've got it covered down the field, so he throws it you know, to the swing guy or the guy in the flat, and he makes a great play, and, and uh, you miss a tackle or two, and he's in the end zone. So they do well at what they do, and they have a system that they – uh, all buy into the players, the coaches, they're all on the same page of the playbooklet. Same thing on the de- defensive side of the football. They don't have as big or fast or players that you've ever heard of before, but they put them in a position where they can be successful. If you watch them play, they move their defensive line right and left. They put you in gaps. They move around. So just when you think you know what your blocking rule is, it's changed. Uh, so they assist their players as far as making it more difficult for you to get really an idea of what they're doing defensively. And they do such a great job of doing that. And they just practice it, practice it, practice it, and they buy in and they execute what their plan is. Now, at USC, I'm not sure what their plan is. I've been saying all along, and as you people have, and you're all hardcore football guys, there's no plan, there's no rhyme or reason of, I still don't know what offense USC runs. I haven't figured it out. They don't have any series. They don't have any jumbo packages or breaker packages. They don't have any short yards packages that we're talking about. I'm not sure what their offense is. They don't have. Uh, they have one running back, but they they run a, uh, an offense that should have an athletic quarterback, and and they they don't do that. They should be running with their offensive philosophy with the type of quarterback that's playing and starting. An eye with two backs and, and, and running what USC's always run. Play action pass and run the football because the quarterback currently that they're using at USC isn't athletic. So you've got to put him in a position where you, he can throw the ball off of, off of play action pass and uh, no one buys in on the play action pass because you can't run the football. So, if you remember the one time they ran that bootleg down in the end zone down there where they had to settle for a field goal, hell, that everybody was covered. They said, if he runs, uh, let him make a yard. We'll come up and tackle him. So I'm still trying to figure out what they're doing, and the same thing on defense. I, I don't really know what the rules are there. They've never stopped a running quarterback. Uh, when they run right at you, they, they I don't know if they wear you down or whatever. All the breakdowns in the secondary are unbelievable. So I don't know if they're confused. Or uh, it's too complicated for them. But on the offensive side, I mean, I don't know what they run offensively. I have no idea. I'm embarrassed. We had a uh, couple questions about, um, I mean, obviously you mentioned this earlier, Coach. The uh, the job status of Clay Helton is what you know a lot of the fans are talking about. Uh, Ryan from uh, Lamert Park said, uh, Clay Helton's response after this loss to, quote, I'm not going anywhere. 
This man has no conception of what's going on. He's dragging USC's prestige through the mud. I haven't been able to watch the last two games because I already knew the outcome. I sold my Notre Dame versus USC tickets because I already can predict the outcome. I seriously hope that change is coming. I know that change doesn't equal success, but at least fans will have something new and can hope for the best, whereas with this coaching staff, we already know what to expect. Late coaching changes by Clay Helton are meaningless at this point because if he really, if he was really on his job, he wouldn't have let things get this bad. His judgment is clearly suspect, and any coaching hires by this man will be suspect as well. The blind cannot lead the blind. But that's what's going on. Inexperience will not take us to the promised land, and his bosses should share in the blame for their incompetent hiring practices. That's Ryan from Lamert Park. Well, you know, you look at the state of the program and you wonder, you know, what is a recruit going to do? I think they're ranked 29th in the country or something now in recruiting. Uh, what is a recruit going to go? If a recruit is being recruited by USC, is is Coach Helton going to be there this year? Is he going to be there next year or the following year? Who am I going to play for? What system am I going to play under? Am I going to get better as as the season goes along and as my years of eligibility goes along? Right now, I don't really see a lot of people getting better, okay? So there's going to be a lot of negative recruiting against USC. If you go there, you don't know what the, what's going to happen in the year. And all of a sudden there'll be a, a different coach there or this or that. So they've got to make a statement in the athletic department on what direction they're going. If for nothing else, recruiting and they got it, they can't wait and put things off. Colorado's already made a decision on what they're going to do. Kansas has already hired less miles. I mean, if you're going to take a change, you don't put off a change. You want your coach in here as soon as possible. Putting off a change is hurting yourself even more. And it's hurting the chances of your coaching staff and everybody else. As far as, are they going to spend time looking for a job? Or are they going to spend time working on recruiting? they got to know what the heck's going on in their life, too. So the university's got to make a decision on what they're going to do and how they're going to attack it right now, like today or tomorrow. And if they put it off, all it is is putting the football program farther behind than what it is right now. Uh, we also had a text from Paul and Menifee, and this is this is the, the kind of issue that I have. I know there's a lot of fans that are outraged and there's passion, but once it switches over to indifference, I think that's where the real problem is, where they just don't care anymore. So Paul Menifee says, if there's no head coaching change, why should season ticket holders and those that travel with the team continue to do so? And we, we've got posts on the message boards about fans are just like, yeah, instead of watching the game, I went and took my kids to the park or I did. And you're getting that a lot now. And it just seems like that indifference when you're talking about a city like Los Angeles where you got LeBron James now and the Clippers are, I mean, the, uh, well, the Clippers are right, but the, uh, the Chargers are good and like the Rams are one of the best teams in the, in the NFL and, and so much other stuff going on. And UCLA on the rise with Chip Kelly, it just doesn't seem like USC is in a position to not make a move at this point. Well, you know, you've got to have an identity. And what is USC's identity? Right now it's LeBron James. Right now, it's Chip Kelly and uh, the Chargers, uh, Rivers, or whoever you want to associate it. You got the Clippers that are playing pretty good. People have a choice. 
I was sitting with a pretty big donor at the UCLA game, and he was sitting right next to me. And uh, I was talking with him, and uh, all of a sudden he was gone. He went home. <laughs> he couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> he's he's had so much of his life is around USC, and the money he's given. A lot of things named after him. He bleeds internally. He was sick. He left. That's what USC means to so many people. The the fight on, the loyalty, the family feeling that the Trojan family has. I really wonder if it's changed a bit, if there's been a different type of leadership here where other things are more important than Trojan football. And this is what I'm waiting to see because if a change is made, and I don't know if a change is made, but if a change is made, you've got to have a star as your head football coach. So you can go against Chip Kelly in recruiting or LeBron James. You've got to have a star. The renovation of the Coliseum. Hey, you want people to pack the house. You want to sell tickets. But you've got a star as your head football coach if they make a change. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm just going to throw names out here, and I don't know a damn thing about if these guys are interested. <laughs> I do, and I wouldn't tell you anyway. But what's wrong with Bob Stoops? He's out of work. Remember when Urban Myers was out of work for a while and then went to Ohio State? Well, he's had a year off. Maybe he'd like to come to California. But if you're going to bring a Bob Stoops in here, you better do what? Let him run the program and don't tell him. He's got full control of everything. Or maybe if you're a Stanford fan, you're going to get mad at me. But David Shaw up there at Stanford, you know, sometimes you can be somewhere too long. He knows what football is all about. He knows the Pac-12. He's got a name. And what about his style of football? Might really, might really fit in with the philosophy of USC. And there are other coaches out there and other great coordinators out there, like the names I just threw out there, that you've got to go after a star. You can't worry about, oh, his name is too big for us or his name is bigger than... Lynn Swan. No, Lynn Swan's a great player. Great player, but he needs a great coach to go along with them, which makes a great pair as far as leadership. So if you do make a change, you better have a star. Otherwise, everybody's going to say, oh, no, here we go again. And you're going to be dead before you start. So, Coach, I'm wondering this. You know, there's people around the country, because I, I travel an awful, awful lot, and I see people around the country, and, and, and I'm always wearing either a USC shirt or my luggage is USC luggage and all. And, you know, and so we'll talk about the Trojans. They'll see this, and they'll they'll approach me about it. They, are, they seem to think that we out here in Southern California, the USC fans are spoiled. We're spoiled because of the fact that we don't win the national championship every year. We're spoiled because we lose a game here. Like, we're not supposed to lose. And if we lose a game, you know, here or there, then we stop coming. We stop supporting the team. You know, and I tell them that nothing can be further from the truth. I don't expect that we're going to win every game every year. Of course, I want us to. I hope that we do. I go there and lose my voice at every home game and every away game hoping that we win. But the fact of the matter is, for me anyway, it's not about winning every game. It's about if we lose, we lose still looking like Trojans, 
still looking like we went there to fight, to put up a fight. You know, that's the problem that I have. When we lose because we look like the bad news bears, when we lose because of the fact that we can't seem, you know, to to run a simple play, when we lose because we throw a long pass on third and one, you know, when we when we lose because of the, the calls that that uh, even Pop Warner coaches would say, oh, my God, I wouldn't have done that. I would not have done that. You know, that's the part that bothers me. You know, fight on is supposed to mean stay in there, keep fighting, keep throwing punches, even though you don't win every fight. And, you know, there's a lot of dignity, you know, when you lose a fight. But when they see the guy that won, they know he's been in a fight. OK, they know that, that this was no cakewalk for him. This was no picnic. You know, when um, I had a philosophy that used to say, you know, you might win, but you're going to work. You know, you may win, but you will work. I mean, this is not going to be, you know, I'm not going to lay down for you. I can tell you that right now. And if we played like we were trying to win, if we played like we were not laying down, if we played like we were not a bunch of inept players and coaches, um, then you'd still have the fan base and you'd still have the seats full. I think what is frustrating to all of us is we don't even look like us. I mean, we look like somebody else put our uniforms on and called themselves Trojans. This is not who we are. This is not what we're used to seeing. You know, put up a fight. Fight back. You know, even if you don't drop the guy, punch him in the mouth. Let somebody see him with a busted lip when the fight's over, even if you did lose. You know, so that's that's the part that's killing me. And that's what I explain to people I see around the country, that it's not because we're not winning every single game. It's because we're not playing like us. And the one last thing I want to ask, you know, coach, I will ask you this. Let's say all of a sudden Nick Saban, Nick Saban decided tomorrow. I, I just don't want to coach anymore. You know, I just don't want to do it anymore. And Alabama needed a coach. Ohio State needed a coach. Michigan needed a coach. Okay, what would they do? Would they be looking, you know, at, at, at some guy, you know, who hadn't been a coach in, in God knows how long and who had never, ever been a, a, a head coach before and say, let's interview him? I mean, would Clay Helton's resume uh, made it past the secretary's desk at any one of these schools? You know, as, as far as head coaching is concerned, USC is just as strong, just as powerful, if not more than any of those other institutions that would need a big, powerful head coach. Or at, use, or at least we used to be. And the administration needs to realize that that's where we have to go back to. That's who we have to go back to being, you know, where, where we don't rebuild, we reload. So let's please remind folks at the USC uh, head offices and the top brass that that's who we are. Well, Eric, people like you and other Trojans have got to speak like you do and speak out to the people that make the decisions because uh, there's been some people that really didn't know the great tradition of USC and the way you people feel that are making decisions. And uh, sometimes, you know, uh, in the past, the philosophy of USC has changed under different uh, leaderships of athletic directors and uh, more of a... uh, toned down type of attitude, not with the quite the enthusiasm that you had. And uh, that has sort of left the program. Uh, uh, but again, with people like yourself and other people out there, that can come back because I want you to know, I travel the country and I'll tell you, I, and I know the Trojan football program, the Trojan University USC is still USC. And if you get the proper person in any position at USC, 
they want that job. USC is a great football job if they want it to be a great football job. If the people above don't want it to be a great football job, you could bring Nick Saban here and, and he couldn't win because they make it where it's impossible for you to do the things that are necessary to win. But if they want to win, then they open the door. Everybody on campus knows how important it is. The boosters, again, get very much involved. You don't cut all the boosters away from the program. You bring them back to the program. You treat them the way they're supposed to be treated. And it is a Trojan family. And their grandchildren get into USC and are part of the student body at USC. And they have a priority as far as going to USC. They're not put on a wait list. All of these type of things have got to change, and it starts at the top and the people that make those decisions. And the only way things are changed if people make a roar about it. And those people have to understand that. And the donors have to pass a message on, too, that, hey, you know what? I'm just not going to give like I used to give because I really don't feel as part of the university as I used to feel. And uh, that message you'll get across. That's if they want to be that. Now, if they want to be something else, that's their choice. But uh, that's my feeling because I have the same pride at USC. I've always said this, Eric and, and Ryan, that when I was a young coach, my goal was to coach at USC. My goal was uh, I had a coach for free to be honest, as far as somehow been a coach at USC. I had that opportunity once, came down close, but didn't get it. But not as the head coach, don't get me wrong, as an assistant coach. But uh, I'll tell you, I love those glory years at USC. And when they played that song, in fact, when I was the head coach at Pasadena City College, and we won a lot of games at Pasadena City College, mm-hmm. uh, that same yes. song we played. Remember, Eric? Yes, I Same do. song. That, Same fight song we used at Pasadena City College, didn't and, we? And guess who did that, Coach? That was me. <laughs> that was me because I was so in love with the Trojans even back then, and so were a lot of my bandmates there at uh, at PCC. And I told them, I said, look, we got the same colors they have. We're going to play this music. And uh, and I, I commandeered a, um, a couple of copies of the sheet music of it and passed it out in the band room, and that's why we played the same thing. You know, and we fought on, you know, just just like that at, at our games. And we won a, lot, a hell of a lot of games there under you, Coach High. We did and had a lot of fun doing it. But every now and then we were in a scrap, you know, and every now and then it got tough. And uh, and I would break that song out and make the band play it over and over. And oh, you remember? <laughs> and we'd uh, and we'd come out of that thing uh, on top, you know, fighting hard. We were Lancers, but you would have swore we were Trojans uh, had you come to the game and not known any better. Yeah. Oh, you're exactly right. I took the philosophy there when I became the head coach at UNLV. I moved the band right behind us, and uh, we had a little signal when I wanted them to play. And like you did for us, Eric, at Pasadena City College, the music, mm-hmm. the teamwork, everybody worked together. Dr. Armin Serafian was the president. And at that time, he says, I want to be the best in every single thing we do at this school. Football debate team didn't make any difference. We're going to be the very, very best, and you are the very, very best at what you did too. We had a great band. You marched Thank in the you. Tournament of Roses parade, uh, and uh, it was great. Every year, uh, the Pasadena City College band marches marches mm-hmm. in that parade. So, nice. I wish the USC band would march in that parade a little bit more. They, but you got to play in the game. Yeah. Right. 
We got a couple more, Coach, and we'll let you go. I know it's been kind of a long show. We, there's a lot of people, have a lot of thoughts, but it's great to have you and Eric sharing your thoughts on this. Uh, Earl in West LA, another uh, one of our famous emailers, uh, you know, listeners to the show. He said, "I can't believe what I saw Saturday. They should have called it the battle for the worst team in LA, a title we earned the hard way, losing the third game in a row to a team that had lost 80 percent of their games. It was embarrassing." I don't see any difference in the play calling since Clay Helton took over. Is there really a difference as the results appear to be the same? What do you think, uh, Earl in West L.A.? Doesn't look like a big difference to me, but what do you think, Coach? No, there's not a big difference because it's the same offense. You've got the same problems. Uh, They threw the ball yesterday a couple times in the middle of the field, but, you know, they don't have an athletic quarterback. They don't have any counters whatsoever to hold the backside, but you don't run your quarterback, so why should you hold the backside? Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's the same exact thing they've been doing all along. So there's nothing different, no identity on the offense, no rhythm. Uh, and uh, so, no, there's nothing you can change, really. All the routes are the same. And like uh, earlier caller said, you either throw, throw the ball up, it's going to be a fade or an out or a comeback or they hit screen or – that's the way they stretch the offense with the hit string, but nothing to the middle of the field. And if they were to use something in the middle of the field by the tight end or back in a circle or some damn thing, you'd be able to get better help and your safeties wouldn't be able to double team your split receivers. But, uh, I don't know what to say. It's, uh, it's not a, a great day. And, 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 and next week with Notre Dame, you know, uh, a lot of people are talking about not going to the game or supporting the game and Notre Dame's going to have more people there than USC. And the crowd that was at the Rose Bowl yesterday, as Eric mentioned, uh, uh, the smallest crowd since 1950 for a USC-UCLA game. Because a lot of the UCLA people, too, were flustered. You know, they won two games. And uh, they sort of had called it quits a little bit on the Bruins. That's why they weren't there. So uh, you've got to bring it back up. And the way you solve everything is win, okay? Winning solves everything. Donations, morale, bragging rights applications, everything. So I think that uh, they've got to take a look at everything they're doing at USC. They've had a series of problems there, and they've got to get back. They've got to get the train back on the track. Let's, um, we got some questions. I want to, let's rapid fire through these, Coach, real quick, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you go. Um, I want to mention Sean in Kentucky left the voicemail. It's like over two minutes long. Sorry, Sean, it was too long. But he mentioned about USC being financially strapped and maybe couldn't make moves. I don't believe the... Uh, Yahoo reported it was a $15 million buyout for Clay Hill. Now, I don't believe that's the case. It's private, so we don't know for sure. But everything I've heard, it wasn't that big. But, Sean, yeah, you can call back again. Just try to keep it under a minute because the two-minute ones we just can't do. Uh, Giles Miles wrote in, Coach Hyde, what is your opinion on the unbelievable call made by the referees that JT Daniels was down where a slide began on that fourth down play? His butt hit the ground a full yard beyond the first down marker, but the refs marked it two full yards back and said it was fourth down. Yeah, that was kind of weird. It didn't seem like enough to overturn it, but what did you think on that, Coach? I agree with our caller here, uh, or uh, emailer. I do. I, I think that it. Uh, I, can't, I think they got a bad spot. I really do. And I couldn't believe they didn't, uh, you know, they viewed it, and they didn't uh, change it, or they did change it back to fourth. I think uh, Kelly challenged it or something, and, uh, and uh, where I was sitting, I really couldn't see the spot. But I agree with him. It should have been a first down. Yeah, that was a that was a weird one. That's Pac-12 refs, you know. You can't be too shocked. 
by stuff like that. Uh, Maybet, our our friend yes, Eric, yes, yeah, she, yeah, from uh, the Inland Empire uh, Alumni Association. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wrote in Coach O's uh, Coach O's team was willing to go through a wall for him, and they in fact turned the season around with a nine and three record. Helton's team surely is aware that he has been on the hot seat. Winning games convincingly could save his job. Yet the four and five star athletes have been playing uninspired ball. So the question is, do you think this is the team's way of voting for a coaching change? What do you think, Coach? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I mean, uh, a, a, a player wants to win every game. At least I would think he'd want a player. I wouldn't want him on the team. But he's going to be a loser in life if he doesn't want to be successful. Uh, they all speak so highly of Clay Helton, and we all do, Ryan. You do. Everybody does. I mean, he's a wonderful individual. But you got to be put in a position to be successful. And I think now they're starting to doubt some of the things that what they're doing and maybe listening to the media and podcast and maybe they have second thoughts. I think it's going to be a very difficult to week of preparation for Notre Dame for USC as far as with all the discussions that are going on and, and uh, Notre Dame coming in uh, as far as getting ready for the college football playoffs and you know, they recruit Southern California, so they certainly want to be impressive out here. And the Notre Dame fans will be up and ready to go, complete a, you know, complete a undefeated season. So I think it's going to be a difficult week. And I don't know if physically the Trojans can get ready for it. They're going to play a very physical football team, a very athletic football team. So uh, I think it's going to be a difficult week. And I hope, I hope they give it an effort because uh, it could be a very, bad day in the Coliseum. Yeah. What I worry about is uh, it seems like it might not even matter how much of an effort that they give, Coach, because, it, you know, no student is going to be any better prepared than the curriculum provides. I mean, that's it. If you got sixth graders being taught fourth grade lesson plans, you know, how are they going to pass a sixth grade exam? I mean, it's not their fault. They can try all, all they want and study all they want. They're not going to be able to pass that exam because they just weren't taught at the right level. You know, I, I think uh, when I look at this and, and people ask me to quickly sum it up, I'll tell you what, it, what I think it is when it comes to the coaching. I think that if you have a cement truck that a guy knows how to press the pedal to the metal and get every bit of 65 miles an hour out of that cement truck, he's going to outrun a Ferrari that can't get out of second gear. He is. I mean, so our talent is Ferrari, you know, and if they had the right person driving it, He'd be able to go through all the gears and run through this race and and leave a cement truck in the dust. <laughs> but if a guy's got a cement truck and and he's driving it faster than you're driving your Maserati, who's gonna win? You know, so it's not just about talent; it's about being taught. It's not just about being you know willing to go in and do your best on the exam. It's got to be about you know the curriculum that is preparing you for that exam. And if it's inept, you know, if it's not what it should be, you're gonna fail. So um, I don't think that the boys are doing this on purpose. I mean, kids that age are fickle. You know, they, they love the whoever's there at the time. You know, I mean, honestly, and the minute he's gone and somebody else is in there, they'll all be in love with him. You know, they're, they're fickle at, at, at that stage you know, of their, their lives. We all were. So, I, again, as far as Maybeth's question is concerned, I think they're trying to do the best they can with what they've been handed. But they're bringing a knife to a gunfight, point yeah. blank and period. Yeah, agree with that. Uh, quick from Percy. So that just happened. Can you describe uh, what you would do with this program in the current its current state, please? I'm so tired of watching this team. I'm pretty much out of questions. 
I think we did a pretty good job describing sort of what we would do there. But Percy, thanks for uh, writing in. And then uh, Jim in Oregon's kind of calling me out, Coach. He said, last January, so I got to remember way back then. I don't remember this. I sent you an email that said, I believed Helton ranked no higher than sixth in the hierarchy of Pac-12 coaches. And naming those I felt ranked higher, Coach commented that I was very astute. However, Ryan took me to task saying that I and some others were too negative about the program. So I took the last 10 months off and waiting to see how it would shake out. I didn't think I was negative, but just stating the obvious, now it seems that uh, others sound a little negative. So my question is, which Pac-12 coach would you consider to be lower on the list than Helton? And P.S. I've written an apology letter that the coaches I had ranked lower than Helton, Jim in Oregon. I think it depends on if you're looking at like some sort of power rankings, then I think, yeah, you could say, I don't think he's that good of a coach. But if you're looking at results... It would. I mean, they just won the Pac-12 championship. I would. You wouldn't put them six. So that's. I think that's all where I'm coming from now. As of right now, I mean, in the power rankings, I have USC tenth. When I just voted for, uh, we do a two four seven poll. Um, one of the teams below them just fired their head coach today, and uh, Mike McIntyre. Um, and you know, if you're building a program, would you rather have Jonathan Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, who's like the worst team in the Pac-12 right now, or would you rather have Clay Hilton? Like, you could argue that. Clay Hilton's like 11th or something right now for like, just like what Eric said, taking, he's taking the most and doing the least with it. Um, now you have to recruit those players and they've done a really good job of recruiting, uh, signing guys late. But as Gerard, we talked about this on our, it's a premium podcast, but on our, uh, you know, um, Trojan Blast recruiting podcast, the way USC has been signing and on signing day and getting the guys at the last minute isn't going to work unless you have some good results. So they had the, the Rose Bowl. They had the Pac-12 championship. I mean, you don't have that this year. So you're going to see a lot more plan B and C guys on the recruiting class, especially with as much turmoil as going on. So all that all that kind of stuff is going away. The Ferrari is not going to be as souped up as it was in years past because the recruiting class is not going to be as good. So, hey, Jim, yeah, sorry. I mean, I think what I'm just saying was as, as far as results went, it's hard to put them lower than, than six or whatever he was at the time. But right now... I couldn't rank them higher than almost anybody in the conference. Well, you know, uh, when you look at USC and who USC is and uh, Southern California and the tradition and where you live and the opportunities you have as far as uh, getting a great education and playing in a great athletic program, uh, there isn't another school in the Pac-12 that uh, compares to it. I mean, UCLA is a great school. They got great things, uh, and Stanford's a great school. Uh, let's look at it. They've got things that are better than what USC has. USC has things that are better than what they have. Probably all the schools have that. But when you look at the entire picture, the whole picture, uh, then USC uh, and uh, Stanford, they're pretty damn good, okay? And then you look at uh, uh, who's flying the ship or who's who's flying the plane and that determines if you're going to get what you're supposed to get out of USC and what it's about. And currently right now, I would think that coaching knowledge wise, uh, as far as let's take Herm Edwards at Arizona state in his first year, he's beaten both of the LA schools. He went for two points last night in Eugene and didn't make it. So he lost 31-29, or if he'd have won that game, he'd have had to beat Arizona, and he would have won the Pac-12 South. And how did he do that? By doing it his way and make the players do it his way. And he was very tough on his players, but they love him because of the way he is. He started six freshmen last night on defense. 
against the University of Oregon, six freshmen. And who are these six freshmen? Probably players that USC let go. So, I mean, as far as didn't sign them. So that sort of gives you an indication of where the players should be and the coaching that you need to do and the philosophy you need to have. And you got to play hard on every single down and what winning's all about. And the coaching staff you put together. So uh, I don't think there's a, a program that has more potential than USC in the Pac-12, okay? And I know you've got Chris Peterson, you've got other great coaches, but program-wise, tradition-wise, hey, there's nothing like USC. And if you recruit against USC, you ask any coaches that recruit against USC, USC is still USC. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do these real quick. Dave from Alaska, because it's Alaska, i got to read it. Um, I've heard I've heard it said uh, that the most important quality in a quarterback is to make the other 10 players around him better. I don't get the sense that JT has a great relationship with those around him. I saw the offense perk up when Matt Fink went in against Stanford and also saw a more motivated offense uh, for Jack Sears versus Arizona State. Isaiah Langley's quote-unquote sideline activity in the Cal game also makes me wonder about JT's relationships with his teammate, teammates. Uh, when the offense isn't getting it done with JT, I would strongly suggest a quarterback substitution. Saban did it in the national championship game. I understand that Coach Helton is a rather stubborn fellow, but he should consider it. Thanks for your thoughts, Dave in Alaska. So real quick, do you think they should have switched quarterbacks, Coach? Yeah, I do. I think when he uh, uh, got the rust off of him in the first half of Arizona State, I thought they were a better offensive football team. He brought a lot of spark to him. I'm not quite sure just how JT, you know, JT Daniels, and I talked about this last week, won the starting job. I don't know if he beat out anybody. I think they should have named a starter in the spring and then have him come in and beat someone out. But, uh, you know, with the athletic ability Sears has and Fink has as far as with their legs, it fits their offense better. They can stretch the field. I, I don't know what type of package they put together with JT Daniels, but it seems as though he's the guy and he's going to be the guy no matter what happens. And between, I have nothing against the kid. I don't know anything about the kid. He comes in with all these rays. Uh, you know, there's other great freshman quarterbacks around the country that are doing one hell of a job because they fit the offense that they're doing it. But uh, I don't see him getting better. I don't see the offense getting better. Uh, I don't see anything getting better. So what's the difference with making a change? And I think, I think it, in a way it, it helps the team as far as you trying to be a coach and I think that they would have been a better football team if they'd have made the change and allowed Sears to, to have an opportunity of starting his second game instead of bringing back JT and automatically put him in there. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And, of course, uh, that is all I'm saying. I think Sears fits what they're trying to do offensively and brings them a chance with success better. Yeah, Matt Fink was actually – I think he was out there warming up um... – so we heard from this week, and Clay Helton wasn't even sure who would be the backup. So I know a lot of fans wanted Jack Sears, but if someone had to come in, it might have even been Matt Fink in uh, in that game. But See, I don't understand all of that. I, I just don't understand all of that. I mean, here's a kid that played uh, a whole game, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, he looked, I just he don't understand good. that. Yeah, I mean, just don't understand uh, uh, how, you know, you can't make a change. I mean, is is everything? Uh, I mean, if a guy's not performing, or maybe he 
needs some help. Maybe he needs some time off. But, you know, golly, I don't, I don't understand that. He did have, I mean, he had like over 330 yards. He had a couple of bad interceptions. But, and, and Clay Hilton was asked about after the game about uh, his struggles. And he was like, struggles? No, I mean, he played well. So, I mean, they, obviously they couldn't run the ball. I think this is part of the problem. I'm more of an, it's more of an offensive problem for me than, uh, than with the quarter. I feel like he gets some, some bad rap sometime, but, um, the, the, the offense is better suited for a Jack Sears or a, or a Matt Fink anyway. Um, all right. One last thing, Nick in Cyprus, big Nick 21 USC from the P question. Where does USC go from Saturday versus UCLA to try and now play Notre Dame fight on from Nick? It will, We'll end talking about that. Well, if Eric USC, his head, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if USC plays and does the same offense, same defense, then it's too late to change, okay? Obviously, nobody's been able to grasp what the problems are. Like I said at the or, or, beginning of the podcast, you know, it's the same movie every week, uh, just a different ending with a different person. Uh if if they then it's too late to change anything. Like Eric mentioned a while ago, I mean you're going to go in. You got three or four days of practice here. You can go in and take on one of the top teams in the country. The only way you play with them if they don't come to play, and they help you win. They throw interceptions. You run a fumble back. You block a punt. You block a field goal. You run it back for a touchdown. Hey, they're they're fired up and and they're doing a great job and playing great football. Now. I can't ever say never, but I would say I wouldn't bet on it, okay? I said last week all along and all the other things, I uh, places I spoke and so on, that if you're going to go bowling, you better win this week, and that was against UCLA because they've got too much going for them right now, Notre Dame, for them to let up and, and lose now. I really feel that way. Well, I think lightning can strike, Coach. You know, if you remember the the fourth and nine year, uh, out in South Bend, you know they had uh, their first year coach. Uh, he had just gotten there, and uh, and they took SC. You know all fifteen rounds in that game, and that game should never have been that close. But they did. They took us to the wire. You know we need that quarterback sneak by um, Matt Liner, what they called the Bush push. You know to actually yeah. win that game. So lightning can strike. You know if if you come you know ready to play and you say hey I'm just gonna throw everything I have out there, you know, and, and let, let my pride carry me. But I tell you, I will personally be wearing two pairs of pants uh, to that game because I'm expecting a butt whooping. You know, I, I really am. I mean, it's kind of like we did things wrong when you were a kid and you knew when your father got home you were going to get it. And I would rush and put on two pairs of pants and, and make sure I had on a long sleeve shirt, you know, because I was expecting a butt whooping. So uh, I'm thinking – that this is going to happen. But every now and then, he was just too tired to get at me. <laughs> you know, so so I was like, I was prepared for a butt whooping, but, but I didn't get it. So I'm hoping that that's kind of what can happen on, on Saturday. I think the fans, such as myself, were worried about winning that game because we're thinking it might save Clay Helton's job. And that and that's kind of, so it's a bittersweet thing. Like, what did we do? How do we root against our boys? You know, and, and, and I won't do that. I will not root against the Trojans. I will not ever, ever, ever hope that they lose. I hope that win or lose, there's going to be the needed corrections made. So that's what I'm going to hope for. If we're praying for something, I'm hoping I'm praying for the right thing. You know, that win or lose, we're still going to get, um, you know, a better team and better leadership next year. 
So, um, you know, I want everybody to fight on and to continue to fight on. Even if we got to do it by ourselves, we got to fight on because these these are boys who came here uh, to be supported by us and to represent the university and whether they're getting the proper leadership and the proper training or anything or not is not their fault. So we have to go and support them as individuals, even if we're not supporting this current coaching staff. Well said, Eric. I love it. Um, it is good job, Eric, buddy. So it's pretty good. That's, uh, you know, I'm glad we had Eric in Eric. I think it was, it was great. I love the, you know, it's, it's a little bit, little more flavor we bring to the podcast, a little bit different. And obviously Thank you're you. a big fan of the show. We do appreciate you listening and everything. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, it's great, but hopefully everyone else out there enjoyed it too. Coach, I hope you had fun too. There's some, some memory lane stuff got going on. It was cool. Fabulous. Fabulous. And again, we want to thank all of our callers and, uh, people that send us questions without you. We don't have a show and, uh, Ryan, I want to thank you. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. You too, Eric, buddy. Thank you, Coach. It's really good to talk to you again and going back down memory lane. We were a pretty good team, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are. We still are. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was telling Ryan, we should name this show Two Hides on Rye. <laughs> name it after a sandwich, Two Hides on Rye. Yeah. <laughs> we got two hides and we got me. So that's yeah. good. You got a ride. I like it. All right. Well, that's uh, that's Eric, Sir Eric of Troy. Coach Harvey Hyde, and I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, I just want to ask you, did we thank Southern California tickets earlier? You know, that's a good question. I don't think we did. Coach, we have to, Southern California tickets, because they've been helping us out for so many years. Uh, If you give them a call, 1-800-888-7287, or you go to their website, SoCalTix, S-O-C-A-L-T-I-X.com. Because it's a, it's always a hot ticket, USC Notre Dame. Though I don't know, I don't know. This year is super hot, but if you want to get the best deal on USC Notre Dame tickets, you can go to Southern California tickets and help them out. Yeah, coach, I think we just jumped right in with co- with uh, with yeah. Eric. I think we forgot the yeah. beginning. So, our apologies. Well, yeah. No, there's no apologies. Uh, make sure you give Curtis a call and tell him I told you to call. Okay. Yeah. Special extra discount because because Coach Hard you know <laughs> co- forgot about that at the beginning so that's uh <laughs> right but great stuff that's that's uh, Sir Eric of Troy Coach Harvey Hyde I'm Ryan Abraham thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast and we will talk to you next time tickets 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 SC tickets is your concert sports and theater ticket source we have the tickets you need to any event worldwide football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.